Welcome to LinkedIn Smart, a podcast revealing secrets to success on LinkedIn. Each week, we interview one remarkable person willing to share their best strategies. So sit down, relax, and enjoy the interview. Here is our host, Vitek Ladislav. In today's episode of LinkedIn Smart Podcast, we are going to visit Chester in the UK. Why? Because that is a home of Mr. LinkedIn. Yes, that's right, Mr. LinkedIn. That's how he's called by his fellow LinkedIn coaches around the world. Here he comes, Mark Williams. So Mark, thank you very much for for coming on our show, uh, LinkedIn Smart Podcast. It's a pleasure and honor to have you actually here finally on on the show. So thank you for your time. It's great to be here. Um, It's good to speak to you. Mark, first question is always the same, and I would like to ask you, how did you start with LinkedIn? When was there any story around that? Yeah, uh, it's quite a long one. (laughs) (laughs) Right, so the story goes, I was running a recruitment business. This is way back. So this would have been 2005, something like that. And um, I had uh, a guy working for me in one of my offices who was a really good performer. And, and I went into it was a London office and I went into the office one day and I was sat in my office looking out at all the troops, you know, th- these are the days of kind of, you know, Teddy sales really. So I was expecting these guys to be on the phone most of the morning for sure. And I looked, this guy was called Tom and I looked out and I saw he wasn't on the phone. I thought, interesting, he's normally on the phone a lot. Looked out again about half an hour later, still not on the phone. So I thought it's a bit worrying. Now, you know, recruitment's a, a, an interesting business. You have a high staff turnover and it's always a worry, especially when a top performer isn't on the phone, right? And I've seen the signs before and I'm thinking we've got a problem here. So I thought I'd better nip this in the bud quickly. So I called him into my office, sat him down and I said, you all right? And he went, yeah, I'm fine. I said, you sure? <laughs> and he went, yeah, I'm fine. And uh, there was a bit of a pause and he went, I know. He said, it's because I'm not on the phone, isn't it? And I went, well, I mean, you know, you know, I mean, I'm not having a go at you or anything. I'm just, you know, it's not like you to not be on the phone. He went, ah, he said, let me explain. He said, I found this website called LinkedIn. And he said, it's amazing. And I went, what is it? He said, well, it's like a social network. And I went, Tom, you mean like Facebook? And he went, well, kind of, but not really. And I went, you're not going to make money sitting, staring at a computer screen. You know that. (laughs) And he went, I disagree. I think you might be able to actually. Now, if he'd have been an average performer, I would have completely dismissed it, but this guy was good. And I thought, you know, I'd perhaps have a look at this. So he went back, sat at his desk again, staring at a computer screen. And I sat staring at a computer screen for the next couple of hours, signed up, created an account. And um, the thing difference between me and Tom is that Tom had been in business for, I don't know, he worked for me for about 18 months or something like that. And he, I recruited him as a graduate. So he didn't have many contacts, right? So he was using it as a, classic kind of look companies up, look for a structure, who are the decision makers, all that kind of basic stuff. To me, I saw it very differently. I mean, I could see you could do that, but so I couldn't believe it. I mean, I genuinely, and even today I look back at that moment and think that was a really big moment because, you know, just, I've been in business many, many years and, you know, I, I knew that the way to sustainably be successful is to build a network and, maintain relationships with people and build trust with people to such an extent that I could then say to them, who else do you know? And, um, and gradually expand my network that way. And who you knew 
and knowing who was in a network was critical to my success. And I knew that. And it always been both as a recruiter and as someone managing a recruitment business. <laughs> and, I, and I went onto this website and I was like, hold on a second. Everything's there. <laughs> like, like all these people that and I'm thinking this is revolutionary. Right. The, the fact that you can just look up everyone and see who they're connected to. And it genuinely got really excited. I was, I was like, I've got to tell people about this, right? And that's very much my character. You know, even when I was a kid, you know, if I ever discovered a new game or something, you know, uh, a new pack of top trumps or something, you know, I wouldn't be keeping it a secret. You know, I've got to tell everyone, right? So I was like, uh, wow. So who do I know that I can pick up the phone up to and say, have you seen this LinkedIn thing? It's amazing. It, you can do this. Yeah. And so that's, that's how I first signed up to LinkedIn. And then the next stage of that story is that I then started to realize that this would be a serious tool in our business. And um, now obviously in those days, you know, LinkedIn was mainly about recruitment and that's why recruiters were attracted to it or the recruiters that worked for me were attracted to it. But I saw it differently. I mean, I could see that it would be good for that. But to me, it looked much more like a networking tool. As I say, I was looking at it from the perspective of building your network, keeping in touch with people, asking for introductions, the whole kind of gambit of things that I'd done, but in a very manual way. And this was just supercharging that. And so I decided to start to train the people that were working for me how to use it properly. And in order to do that, I needed to understand it fully myself. So I really kind of deep dived into it. It was really interesting and I really enjoyed it and started to do some workshops for them and get them up to speed. And of course, the first thing I noticed as soon as I tried to understand it more was there was nobody I could turn to in the world pretty much. I mean, there was a, a book written by a guy in the US that I bought, a guy called Bill Vick, I remember, and uh, he wrote a book about LinkedIn and recruiting, but it was very much from a recruitment perspective. But that was useful, introduced me to a few new features. But outside of that, hardly anybody, a couple of people in the States, nobody in Europe, nothing. Mm. Um, and so I just had to teach myself, really. Mm. And there was, I guess, the seedling of an idea, of a business idea that came to fruition about 18 months later. So, yeah, I started LinkedIn training in actually 2008. That's the long story. Awesome. <laughs> Fantastic. And uh, actually, um, when I look at your profile, there's a one story which you mentioned that um, when you were asked, uh, what do you do in one networking event in 2008? And you mentioned that you're a LinkedIn trainer. You were uh, met with, uh, with the laughter and disbelief. Can you tell us a little bit more about that story? Because yeah. that caught my eye. Yeah. So when I first started, I left that recruitment business. They were taken over and never really got on with the new bosses and all the rest of it. And I decided to go it alone. Started a recruitment business, but just didn't have the heart for it. I've been doing it for 20 years and I just, I just didn't have the energy and the drive to want to do it, to be honest, again. And I was just inspired by the whole idea of LinkedIn training, but it, it was an odd idea, to be honest. It was, at the time, it was a bit crazy. But I had a guy who was a friend of mine, well, a sort of friend of mine, I'm not a close friend or anything, but he ran a recruitment business up near Manchester. And we just had a beer one night and we were chatting and, and I was telling him all about this stuff and about LinkedIn. And he said, you should come and train my team. They'd really appreciate it. And I think we'd really benefit from it. So I said, oh, okay. And he said, I'll pay you to do it. And I said, okay, yeah, I'll give that a go. So I prepared the session all enthusiastically, really enjoyed preparing the session as well. And, um, and then literally about three days before it was supposed to happen, he, um, he canceled on me. And the reason being it's 2008 and um, 
he'd hit the recession was really biting at that point and he had to let half his staff go and so he said it's just not worth me doing he said I'm really sorry and I was absolutely gutted because I was so looking forward to doing it so what I did was um, I literally just found a hotel locally walked in and said how much does it cost to hire a room for half a day and um, th there's a bit of a story behind that but I won't bore you with that but basically within two weeks I ran my first workshop in Manchester and I have five people there and they loved it. And I only got five, but it was only, you know, I only gave myself a week and a bit to do it. And, um, and they loved it. And so I then decided, right, I'm going to do this as a business. That was kind of the catalyst. That was the, the little tester. And I thought, yeah, there's definitely, I, I thought there was something in it, but I'm really down now feel there definitely is. So I kind of set the business up and all the rest of it. And the, the story that you're talking about is, I went to a networking event in Manchester, which I was doing. I was going to stuff. But up until that point, I'd not mentioned anything about LinkedIn training. And at this one, I decided what I'm going to do tonight, I'm going to go there and I'm going to tell people about LinkedIn training and just gauge the reaction. So I know that course went well, but a lot of the people on that course were recruiters. I want to know if a wider business audience would have an appetite for this. So I went to this networking event and I go, and the first person that I met was this guy. He must have been about, I always exaggerate this. I often say he was about six foot five. He probably wasn't that tall, to be honest. But he's much taller than me, put it that way. Very smart suit, you know, clearly very expensive. And, um, and he's making himself a coffee and I was stood next to him. So I introduced myself, gave me, you know, sort of firm handshake. And he said, uh, so, he's very posh as well. And he said, so Mark, what, what is it you do? Because uh, I already asked him about what he did. And he was a lawyer and managing partner of a firm or something, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, so I said, oh, I'm a LinkedIn trainer. I train people to use LinkedIn. And he went, LinkedIn, oh, yes. He said, I'm on LinkedIn. Never use it, but I'm on it. And he said, that's interesting. What else do you do? <laughs> and I went, no, that's it. That's it. That's my job. I do LinkedIn training. And he laughed so loud that everyone else in the room looked around uh, to see what was so amusing. And the kind of serious thing behind that was, and the reason why I put it in my profile actually, is that um, I like to think I'm a fairly self-confident person. And as I say, when I get an idea, I get very enthusiastic about it and I, and I want to tell everyone. And so there's nothing worse for someone like that when someone just pours scorn on your idea, you know, and it really hit home. And I guess there were various other things. This guy was everything I wasn't. I never went to university. He was taller, stronger, better suit, the better dress than everything that I was kind of like, he intimidated me, you know, and I felt really low. And I got in the car driving home and I just thought, what was I thinking? What a stupid idea. I mean, why would anybody want LinkedIn training? Ridiculous. But then I processed it, slept on it, woke up the next morning and I thought, yeah, the first thing he said to me was I'm on LinkedIn, but I never use it. What does he know? And actually that's the challenge, isn't it? Because there's loads of people out there that are on it and don't use it. That's got to be my mission. You know, I've got to get out there and open these people's eyes to it. You know, he's missing a trick and he doesn't realize it. And he's a smart guy, but he doesn't realize it. And so in many respects, that was a big motivator for me. Partly I wanted to prove him wrong, but it was more that that's the challenge ahead, right? So let's go for it. Let's take on that challenge and let's start educating people as to what LinkedIn is. And so that's that's how it got going. And, you know, within weeks of that, I was doing a big workshop with about 25 people in it. And I was the first person in the UK to do any, any form of LinkedIn training. 
and one of the first in Europe. There's like a handful of people. By the time I started, there were a few others across Europe. Uh, so those were the pioneer days, if you like, of uh, of LinkedIn training. And it wasn't easy because, you know, honestly, you, you know, I, I remember doing posts and stuff and people commenting and saying things like, why would anybody need to learn how to use LinkedIn? That's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you never see that now. You know, you can't imagine that someone would have that mindset. But in those days, it was like, what a ridiculous idea for a business. You know? <laughs> so, Mark, um, you've been on the platform for such a, um, a long time. And obviously, there are a lot of things which uh, uh, you've been put into it, uh, a lot of efforts. What keeps you going? You know, after so many years, you know, you're doing a lot of, lot of activities, a lot of online trainings. I know that you, you're an award-winning podcaster as well. You have more than 300 episodes on your podcast, right? So what keeps you going? What keeps you motivated? You know, do what you do. Yeah, it's a good question because it would be easy to say, oh, you know, not a problem at all. Da, da, da. That's not true. You have, you have moments where you kind of feel flat with it, frustrated sometimes, but I suppose the answer to the question is that the way I look at LinkedIn is you, we talk about LinkedIn as a, as a thing, but actually there's kind of three LinkedIn's really there's, there's LinkedIn, the company, right? Subsidiary of Microsoft. There's LinkedIn, the platform, the website, which obviously they own and they design. And then there's LinkedIn, the community, which is us, right? And LinkedIn, the company frustrate the life out of me at times. And create all kinds of challenges that just aren't required. <laughs> but then I, I understand they're a business and I understand where they're coming from a lot of the time, but they also frustrate the life out of me. And that has a knock-on effect on the website, obviously. But the community is the most interesting aspect of it. LinkedIn, the community has changed far more than the website and the company LinkedIn. And LinkedIn, the company, would like to think that the reason that community's changed is because how they've influenced through the design of the website. And there will be some truth to that. But actually, the majority of the change to that community is from within the community itself. And people are innovative and come up with different ideas and different ways of doing things. And I love that. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it is functionality, like, you know, they've just brought stories in, certainly into the UK. And that's a functionality thing, right? So LinkedIn have introduced, you know, it's not exactly new. We've seen it in many other forms in other social media, but you're new to LinkedIn. And they've brought it in okay. And they've done it, you know, averagely well, as, as they always do. But now the community's grabbing it, right? And what's going to happen now is the interesting bit for me, because it's all very well having the functionality, but what are we going to do with it? And you get all kinds of people who have brilliant ideas and stupid ideas and all of that is to me the fascinating side. So I guess the bit that keeps me really going is the human element to LinkedIn, that, that community of people that get in there and try and do different things. You know, probably the most significant stage in all the years I've been doing this, which is nearly 12 years, the turning point was around the time of the redesign. Mm -hmm. And up until that point, LinkedIn had been slowly progressing. After that point, things really you know, really, really started happening for LinkedIn in terms of activity. And, you know, that also coincided with the Microsoft takeover. Not relevant as it happens, but it did coincide with that. Um, but also the redesign coincided, and it might have been a motivation of LinkedIn's to redesign in the first place because of this, but also coincided with big issues for Facebook. 
So Facebook, which was and still is the most popular social network, had a lot of business people using it. Still does, don't get me wrong. But a lot of those people who were using it in business were starting to get really frustrated with the lack of organic reach. They just couldn't get their content in front of anyone unless they paid to advertise, right? And previously they had, so they were frustrated by that. In addition, you had the Cambridge Analytica thing that was around that time as well. And so a lot of people started to see Facebook as a company in a very different light. They were now screwing us, you know, and not only screwing us, but selling our data. And all that kind of feel towards Facebook, I think, drove a lot of people away from that platform. Mm. And they might not have left it, but they came to LinkedIn. And what they brought to LinkedIn was a completely different mindset as to how you operate on an online social network. So I think a big part of that was just that scenario combined with the new design, combined with maybe a bit of influence that Microsoft have, although I doubt that was a big factor. And that was a big turning point. But again, to me, the interesting bit about that was this fresh community. It was just a younger demographic as well. Younger people, they've been on LinkedIn, but not really using it. They were starting to be more confident about using it. And that brought a fresh new load of people in, influencers, people that were starting to have real impact. So yeah, I guess, you know, the short answer to your question is the bit that keeps me really going is us really, what we do, what, what everybody does with the platform. And that, you know, is endlessly fascinating. And that brings me to, to another question. I mean, do you have any any specific people you like, um, you follow, you see their, their good ideas? Because you mentioned, you know, that the community, that's what keeps you going on and motivated. Are there anybody, anybody like that who you like to um, give a shout out to, for example, for that? On the podcast, I do from time to time, but it's, it's interesting, actually, that that changes all the time because... You know, there was a time when, you know, I'm trying to remember the names now, way back when native video started and there were people doing native video really well and they've just died away. You don't even see them anymore now. And then um, I remember Shay Robottom came along and, uh, and just did it differently and brought, she was a very much in that scenario of the Facebook generation coming to LinkedIn, using their experience with Facebook and, and putting out content in a very different way. But, you know, I don't have to like me. I don't really like her content, if I'm honest with you. But it's different and it's and it's new and it's fresh and people like it. Right. Anybody that has a strong audience and a following, I study it. I'm interested in it. Why? What is it? What's appealing to people, et cetera, et cetera. So I wouldn't say to someone, oh, you know, follow Shay Robot because she's great. I don't really like a lot of her content and where she's coming from, to be honest with you. But. I would say if you wanted to study someone who changed LinkedIn video, she definitely was a big part of that. Mm. Although I think other people have now developed from this guy called Mark Gaysford, who's in the UK actually. And he produces great videos. Jerry Williams is another one. Um, and somebody runs an accountancy firm, you know, but produces really funny, excellent quality videos. I'm talking about video people here because I know it's a particular interest of yours, but yeah, there's many others in other formats who are producing good stuff that's more, you know, text only format and stuff like that. You tend to find people tend to thrive in one particular type in my experience. So it's an ever changing picture. We have a, a feature on my podcast called Post of the Week and, you know, listeners nominate a post that they've seen. And it's great because 
you know, people are looking out there uh, for really good content and they send it in and then we can analyze it and look at it and go, well, why did that work? And what's good about that, et cetera, et cetera. So we can all learn from people that are doing things differently and better. So it changes all the time. And people introduce me to new people. Probably one of the most recent ones, a guy called Craig Brooks, um, another guy from the UK, and he's a double glazing guy, right? I was going to say salesman, but he's not really a salesman because he, he runs a company that's a double glazing company. Well, I don't know about in your background, certainly in my history, you know, if, if there was a job you did not want to admit doing, it would be double glazing sales. <laughs> it's like, like the lowest of the low, the worst salespeople ever, you know. And this guy, you know, he's got a huge beard, he's proper, you know, he's He's a builder, really, you know, he's a businessman, but he's a builder. And he puts out content on LinkedIn and he's just himself, you know, and he just gets out there and says it as it is. Great following. He's so authentic with it. You know, that's, of course, what works. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's, you know, there's been um, over the years, lots of different people I can think back to, you know, way back in the day, Kate Lister, the florist from Grimsby, you know, who had a massive impact at the time, literally just putting up pictures of her flowers but being a bit cheeky with it. And uh, she was also in that, that first wave of people that, that treated LinkedIn differently. She again came across from Facebook, just brought a different attitude to it. And it really went down well. I guess that's going back to your previous question. That's the thing that excites me. You know, who's the next one? You know, who's going to be the next one that has their, it's usually only five minutes of fame, but they change something, they do something different and it, it's exciting. And then we can learn from that. If you like to turn your LinkedIn into a lead generating tool, you should consider to enroll in our LinkedIn business audit session. This 45 minute strategic call will give you answers you're looking for. We will show you a step-by-step -step strategy of what you need to do on LinkedIn in order to start generating business and land clients from your LinkedIn activities. Interested? Send your request to marketing at squaremotion.me or click on the link in the show notes of this podcast. Thank you. That's very interesting, Mark, uh, because many times um, what I've found or the, the question I get to, uh, asked quite often is, you know, how to find an authentic voice? Because, uh, you know, some people they feel, and I, I honestly, I feel it as well, that especially now during the COVID times, there's a lot of clutter, a lot of digital clutter, a lot of digital noise. How to actually get through the noise? How to, you know, how to find my, my own voice and how to be heard? Well, yeah, there's two aspects to that. I mean... The noise aspect is, to a certain extent, you can influence the algorithm so that your, your message gets through to the right people. Not completely, but you can certainly have an influence over that. And in fact, if you think about stories now, when you look at stories, you get stories from everyone. And you notice all these people and you've never seen anything from them before, ever. right? And that's because they are posting, but you never see it. So the algorithm is filtering stuff all the time and only giving you what it thinks you want. And you are, to a degree, responsible for controlling that in your actions, right? So in terms of what you see and being able to see good stuff in your feed, unfollow lots of people. I've never unfollowed so many people as I am now. I've got stories. It's literally every other one. <laughs> but that does mean I won't see their posts as well. But I wasn't seeing them anyway, so I don't really worry about that. But I do want to clean my stories up so that I'm only seeing stuff from people I want to see. Now, my feed is very clean. You know, I, apart from ads, which are a pain, you know, pretty much everything else in my feed is stuff I want to see. Hmm. I don't have a problem with that. But of course, your, your average LinkedIn user doesn't 
necessarily know how to do that. It's a big part of one of the things I teach people, you know, is about make LinkedIn a more pleasant experience by working on your feed and you positively and negatively can do that. Meaning, you know, positively you follow the right people and engage with them. Negatively, you unfollow people who are putting stuff in your feed that you don't want to see. And if you, those two things combine, the algorithm does get the hang of it after a while. It takes a bit of effort, but eventually it'll get the hang of it and you'll start to see good stuff. Now, the other part of that question is about, you know, an authentic voice. And, you know, that's tricky. I think it's very easy to say, and it's almost a bit trendy to say, be authentic, you know. What does that really mean? And how do you actually do that? And as, as someone of a certain generation myself, I can relate to why people find that difficult. And I think a younger generation find that less difficult in some respects, but I think people in my generation are a bit more reserved and, and we think, oh, you know, I don't want to say that or that, that feels a bit uncomfortable to kind of release that information about myself. I think that the secret is, obviously it's to be yourself, but to share appropriately things that you are comfortable sharing, but always remind yourself to just be real with that. And that's kind of hard to, um, to describe it's easier to correct. So if, if when I'm working with a client and I work a lot of time one-to-one and I get to know them over a period of time, and one of the things, one of my aims is to get them to have more of an authentic voice, but I don't know what that voice is until I've worked with them for a while. But then I start to get a feel for who they are. And in fact, the first session, I, I often spend a lot of time just chatting and getting to know them and finding out all about them. Because what I want them to do is project that on LinkedIn because I've, I've not seen a better technique, to be honest with you, than to be real. <laughs> but people don't, they go, yeah, yeah, you'll know this from video, you know, they just put a camera in front of someone, they just, I'm a different person now. <laughs> I'm now pretending to be something or acting in some sort of way. People go to much an extreme with it. They go, oh, you know, it means I have to be, you know, I have to talk about my kids or I have to talk about what I do at the weekend. No, it doesn't mean that at all. I mean, if you're comfortable with that, that's absolutely okay, but... What it means is that when you talk about something, you talk about it from the heart with passion and reality of who you are, what you really think, you know, not what you think people want to hear, but what you really think. So imagine that you're sitting down, you know, um, and you've had a really busy day at work and you go out for a drink with a friend in the days when we could do things like that. Um, and you sit down and you go, right, let me tell you about my day. Right. And you just blurt it all out. Right. And, um, because you trust that person and you'd tell them anything, right? Now, I'm not suggesting you do that on LinkedIn, but what I'm suggesting is closer to that, you know, closer to just being real and open and honest and genuine. Mindful of the fact you don't want to be unprofessional and you also don't want to do things that are going to upset other people, right? So, you know, there's a line and you need to understand where that line is, but that might be slightly different for everybody. Appreciate that. But that's kind of the trick to being authentic. And it's not easy. Uh, you know, people say, oh, just be yourself. It's not as simple as that. There, there are natural barriers that we create when we go online that stop us being real. Hmm. I have to say, I think my, my voice on LinkedIn improved as I started to get more comfortable with the podcast. Because to me, the podcast is, is very much me being me, right? And so, and that felt much more natural hmm. to talk into a microphone felt a lot more natural than sitting in front of a keyboard and typing something. It, it never it always felt like I was writing something as opposed to just expressing. Mm-hmm. And um, But on a microphone, to me, it was more, I'm just expressing myself. 
sort of learned from that, that that was popular and that's what people want to hear. So my post got better, I think, as a result of that. So it's more about self-expression than it is about typing something for people and what they want. Your content needs to be what they want, but the way you deliver it is expressive. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's you. Some people, they have an issue with, uh, with actually expressing themselves. They would rather share posts of someone else. They would rather share some articles, some videos, some other things. Uh, and to what extent, when you work with your clients, you would allow them or tell them to share something from their personal life? I don't know. Is there any formula for that? Not a formula. I mean, as I said before, really, I think the, um, if they want to talk about something in their personal lives, then I would normally say... Um, it's probably not advisable unless you really feel that you want to. So if it's really you and you feel like you're being, you're not being honest, if you don't, if you like, then, then fine, do it. And I, I see plenty of people that do it very successfully. So it's, it does go down well with a certain audience, but so many, it's dependent on so many things. You know, if you were, you know, in a, I'm thinking of a particular client here, you know, in the automotive industry, dealing with design engineers, you know, you should know what they like and what they enjoy and that's not necessarily going to be lighthearted stuff. It might be occasionally, but if it is, it's probably work lighthearted as opposed to personal lighthearted. So you are attuned to your audience, you know, and it's like, I think this is the thing that people find difficult is, you know, the, the, the perception of being attuned to your audience is not yourself, not being yourself. The reality is that actually, if you think about the way you operate in business, you know, when you go and see someone in business and you get to know them, you are yourself. You are being yourself in a business context. But people kind of find that difficult. They want it to be black or white. You know, I'm either going to just be very personal or I'm either going to just talk about business. You know, what we know about LinkedIn, the community I'm talking about, is that they respond to authenticity and they're interested primarily in people. People are drawn to people okay and so you can express something on behalf of someone so you see a really good article somewhere and you think oh this would be good i think my audience would enjoy this if all you do is repost share it either as a link or if it's content on linkedin you reshare it nobody responds well very few people do okay because it's not you all you're doing is saying here's a good book have a read of that right but actually what they want is they want your angle on it. Mm. And that's interesting. Mm. So I always say to people, you see good content, take the content right, and talk about it. Write a post about it. Create a video about it. Create a document post about it. Talk about that content and your take on it, your opinion of it, and ask questions about it and get a debate going. Start a conversation around that very interesting subject. But don't just reprint it. Right. Because that's not you. That's not your angle. That's not what people are interested in. Mm. And so people talk about, you know, why do reshares fail on LinkedIn? Oh, it must be the algorithm. It's not the algorithm at all. It's just that we're not interested. Mm. I don't want to see you just reposting something from someone else. I want your angle on it. I'm interested in you. And, uh, we've been doing this long enough. You know, we've been observing what happens in the LinkedIn community for many, many years now. And it's very, very clear. We might be in business, but we're mainly interested in people. That's why company page posts never do well unless you advertise, um, because it's not people, right? And the, the best company page posts, the ones that do do well, are normally orientated around people.
So the evidence is very clear. So put your angle to it, be a, a real individual, talk about subjects that are interesting to them, but talk about it from your perspective. Hmm. Mark, how you define LinkedIn success for your clients? Are there different KPIs? I would put it in, in a quote unquote. What is success on LinkedIn to you? I think that there's lots of different ways of being able to measure success. Ultimately, you know, how many customers you win through LinkedIn and how much business you generate through LinkedIn is ultimately what you're aiming for. But of course, that is a little bit too simplistic. You need sort of stepping stones to get there. And they are the KPIs, right? So the kind of KPIs I tend to focus on with people are simple things, not so much the SSI. I kind of, if I'm working with somebody that is very inexperienced, then it's actually not a bad way of, it's, it's nicely set out and it gives them something graphic to look at and it gives them a, a kind of motivation as they see the number grow. But once they get to about 75, it's forget it, right? You're not really going to get anything beyond that. Of course, it's problematic because it's amazing how powerful it is to give a score out of 100 and then people are desperate to get as near to 100 as they can, even if it makes absolutely no difference to how successful they are. So it's a dangerous tool, SSI, in that regard. But I try to say to people, our aim is to get to 75 and then we're chucking it away. I'm not interested after that. Things that matter, profile views, how many invitations you get. You'd have to accept them all, but how many people are inviting you to connect? That is a real sign of visibility. At the end of the day, what you're trying to do is make sure that more people know who you are. And yes, you can be quite targeted with that. And I'm not against being targeted on LinkedIn, but a lot of my emphasis is about visibility, i.e. making sure that people have every opportunity to do business with you because you're highly visible to them. And so we measure that by profile views. We measure that by number of invitations to connect. We can measure it by the success of our posts. And success of a post, by the way, is not views. It's an interesting number, but it's just a page impression, as I'm sure you know. What we're interested in is comments, and reactions, but comments more than reactions, right? Mm -hmm. Comments are the, the absolute gold of posts. And if you create a conversation, far more people will see it and it has the ability to really get organic reach. Mm -hmm. When you're targeted, you're thinking about who you wanna do business with, but when you're less targeted than that, you're just thinking about visibility, broadly in the right communities. But look, I don't know where business is gonna come from. It might come directly I, somebody sees my post, somebody starts following me, someone contacts me and says, I'm interested. That happens all the time. But more common than that is somebody is recommended to speak to me through somebody else that's seen my stuff, followed me, got to know me. And that's key. You know, you, you can't look at it in the simple terms of I'm just looking for people to follow me who I'm interested in doing business with. It just doesn't work like that. So number of followers is also a key measurement. You want to see that and go north as well. So it's your activities. It's people coming to your profile. It's people inviting you to connect. If you're at a stage where you've developed a strong enough network of connections, then I'm interested in developing followers who aren't connections. And the difference between the two is also a good measurement. But that's more someone that's at a more sophisticated and experienced level. Um, that's also something I tend to focus on with some clients as well. So they're the things that we focus on. But, you know, at the end of the day, what I'm looking for, I, I would say to each client I ever work with, this is where I want to get you to. Right? I want you to get to a position like this that happened to me. So I got a call 
or I think it was a message on LinkedIn actually from somebody who said to me that they'd been recommended to me by somebody else. When I saw that, no, they did ring me actually. And we were speaking on the phone. They said, oh, I'd be recommended to call you by da da da. And I went, um, all right, okay. And I'm thinking, you know, in my head, I'm thinking, I don't recognize that name, but but I'll go along with it. <laughs> um, so, oh, okay, da da da. So we have a conversation, da 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 da. I put forward a proposal and then we start working. It's a big client as well. But this troubled me because I'm thinking, who is this person that, that recommended me? So obviously I look them up on LinkedIn and I'm like, I, I've never met this person and I don't even know them. I don't think I've ever even swapped a DM with them. I don't think there's been any direct contact of any sort at any time. And it really troubled me to a point where I was really, really probably researching this, you know, through all my emails and, you know, have I ever. And I, it troubled me in the sense that I felt a bit of a fraud in that I wondered if what had happened was that this guy had just got the name wrong and, and he couldn't remember who it was that he'd had such a positive experience with, but he sees my stuff. And so he guessed it was me. And that, that worried me a little bit. Cause I thought, I mean, I shouldn't do cause I won the business, but it kind of did worry me. I just thought I've got this on false pretenses, you know, and it's really funny how when you do this job, sometimes you forget the, the, the most obvious things. And I was sitting in the car with my girlfriend, I was telling her this and I was going, I just feel uncomfortable with the whole thing. And she went, I, I don't understand your point. And said, that, that person probably just follows you, but he feels like he knows you. Mm. And I thought, yeah, because if you're authentic and if you're real and you're regular and you're visible, then people will feel like they get to know you mm. and they will feel that they're invested in you in some way. Mm. And of course they'll recommend you to other people. And ultimately, that is a real sign that you're getting somewhere when that happens, you know. And to me, that's the essence of what we're trying to do on LinkedIn. With our content, with our profiles, with everything that we do, we're trying to be highly visible in a way that people buy into us and are invested in us and want to recommend us to other people or do business with, with us themselves. You're talking about visibility. It's very, very interesting because... I, I do believe that visibility brings credibility and um, if you're more credible, if, you, if you're more trustworthy, people probably have a more chances to buy from you. So there's a profitability. So uh, I'm a part of organization which is called BNI and, and uh, there's a visibility, credibility, profitability. There's a direct correlation between these three things and I, I, I think this is exactly what you're talking about. Which brings me to another question which I would like to know, how to increase our visibility on LinkedIn? Of course, one is probably posting, but are there some other ways how to increase our visibility on LinkedIn? The best technique is to be highly active and um, active in the right way, not just with anybody, but targeted activity. So let's imagine that you were targeting a certain industry. Then what you should do is pick five topics that you think are important in that industry. Five subject matters that you think would resonate with anybody in that industry. And then search for that content on LinkedIn and just start getting involved. Start commenting, react if you wish, if you're busy, but try and put time into commenting. And what you're doing as you do that is you're building visibility because people start seeing you all of a sudden. It's a bit like the analogy I would use is that you're walking into a, an you know, an in-person networking event, big hall full of people, right? And it's a busy place, right? And what you're not going to do is go and stand in a corner or, you know, 
find a stage and stand on the stage and start talking to everyone because they just ignore you. So that's posting, right? First of all, what you've got to do is start working the room. So find a little corner somewhere and people are talking about something and you go, well, these are all the right people. What are they talking about? Interesting. Okay, I'm going to join this. Now, I might not know about this topic. It might be something I'm not very knowledgeable about, but hey, that's all right because I can still join in. And, um, and by joining in, I'll learn from it. And then I might move on to another group. And when I move on to that group, I might start talking about that subject that I was talking about over there, you know, and now I know a bit more about it. I'll start talking about it. That's how you network, right? That, that's networking that we know and love. But online, you do the same thing. Now, there's some algorithmic stuff going on here because as you do this, you're starting to build relevancy and relevancy is absolutely critical. So everybody that you are engaging with the algorithm is noticing that and going, you're relevant to that person. And if they engage back with you, then it says, oh, that's good. So then when you do post, they're more likely to see it, so long as they're a follower, right? Now, they'll probably become a follower because in the first place, you've become highly visible with a strong profile behind it and a good headline that makes it very clear to them that you are relevant to them. So then they click on your profile and they go, oh, you know, I'll, I'll follow this person or I'll connect with this person. And then you start building relevancy through engagement and then that's how you get visibility because then when you post, they actually see you. So it's not just about posting. If people make that mistake, posting's a key point there and, and you probably wouldn't do very well without any posting, but you've got to get to that position, if you like, in the first place through building relevancy, through targeted activity, um, spending, there's no shortcuts to this. You know, If you are prepared to dive into it and spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, provided you do the right things along the lines that I've talked about. You can't help but be successful. Right? But the thing is that nobody wants to do that. You know, everybody wants the shortcut. Everybody wants to find an easy way to do it because they don't really actually want to commit themselves to spending the time in case it doesn't work. But I haven't seen any examples where it doesn't. If you are prepared to commit yourself and really go for it, the rewards are there, you know, like a lot of things in life. Mark, I think we can carry on for um, you know a couple other hours, but um, we need to draw <laughs> this podcast to the conclusion. Before we before we wrap up, I would like to ask you um, perhaps like a few last questions. Um, and one of them, what is what is frustrating you on the LinkedIn in terms of the community? So if I would ask you, what's the main mistake which people are making that really irritates you? That's an easy one to answer. Automation which is aligned to the point I was just making, drives me absolutely mad. Internet marketers getting involved in LinkedIn, go away, go and spend your time somewhere else, please. They drive me nuts. Tempting people with apparent shortcut solutions to success, automated invites, automated messages, absolutely drives me mad. You know, they have this new feature on LinkedIn as a premium member where you can have an automated reply. Mm -hmm. I think you saw it. I, I think you got one from me recently. I've changed it. Uh, the one you got, I was genuinely away. And so it was like, I'm not back till. But now I've changed my message so that it says, thanks for your message. If this message has been sent by your bot, this is my bot telling your bot to get lost. <laughs> <laughs> if, however, you took the time to write this message yourself, I will reply very soon. Because <laughs> you can actually set your automated reply, your away from office reply with no end date. Well, you have to put an end date, but it can be like years ahead. Right? So effectively, you can just have it on all the time. So that's what I've got now because it drives me mad. And, and I think the thing, the serious point in all this is 
if that kind of activity becomes really popular, basically LinkedIn will be ruined. And that's a really serious point because this is a, such a valuable tool for us. And yet people throughout history have always overfished, right? They always like to ruin a platform. You know, let marketeers get hold of LinkedIn. They want to ruin it, right? Because they just want to absolutely rape and pillage it for a short-term gain, right? Whereas the rest of us are here for the long-term. Let's get rid of these people. Let's ban them, get them off the site. Don't want to see it. Let people network properly on LinkedIn. So yeah, that's, that's my big one with regards to the community. Fantastic. Thank you very much, uh, Mark. It was absolutely awesome to have you on our show today. I really thank you that you took the time to be here today. And before we go, uh, of course, I would like to ask you, where can people find a little bit more about you? I know that you're on the LinkedIn, but uh, you're a very, very successful podcaster as well. So please, you know. Yeah, sure. So the, the podcast is called LinkedIn Formed. So one word, LinkedIn Formed, which you can find everywhere, as you would expect. And obviously the other place is LinkedIn. So, you know, you'll find linkedinform.com is the website for the podcast. You'll find more information about me and obviously all the, all the uh, episodes there. And, um, and I welcome people to follow me on LinkedIn as well. Thank you very much once again, Mark. And uh, I hope this is not the last time we see, you, uh, we see you on the show. I would love to talk to you again because there are so many other topics which we haven't covered today. Good stuff. Now, happy to do it. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for listening. Please make sure that you subscribe to our LinkedIn Smart Podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcast. We would really appreciate it. Thank you and see you next time. Be LinkedIn Smart. LinkedIn Smart Podcast was brought to you by Square Motion, a video marketing agency in Dubai. Need an engaging LinkedIn video? Go to squaremotion.me.